And welcome to episode number five of the Canadian Prepper Podcast, Post Deer Hunting. My name is Eric. I'm the host of the show. I'm based in southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, VE3 EPN, and a computer geek. I got into preparedness when I was working frontline emergency services. I witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events such as ice storms, power outages, etc. I started a small preparedness company to help get people prepared and able to look after themselves for at least 72 hours, if not longer. Hello, my name is Ian. Uh, I'm a co-host of the show. I live on Vancouver Island on a small hobby farm. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, hunter, reloader, and my farm's designated handyman. I've had lifelong interest in preparedness, and I'm gladly learning new skills on a regular basis. My professional background has allowed me to see pretty much every province, territory, and Canada. It has also taught me to prepare for various unexpected situations daily. So we've got some great content for you in this episode. We're going to start off with some news articles relating to our hunting trip and the outdoors. Uh, Ian and myself will be letting you know how, we, uh, how we've improved our preparedness for our, since our last episode. We've got some feedback uh, that was sent to uh, our email address here for feedback. And then we're going to get into the main topic uh, for this episode, which is our post-deer hunting. So first, we'll get into some news. We've got a news article here from Global. It's in regards to uh, Calgary and a big snow dumping that they recently received. So uh, Calgarians found themselves navigating a nasty drive home on Friday as a band of snow blanketed the region. Snowfall warnings were issued around 5 p.m. for Calgary and areas north, uh, northeast and south of the city. That warning stayed in place until early Saturday morning. Environment Canada said that uh, 13.2 centimeters of snow fell on Friday, which marks a new snowfall record for November 23rd. The previous record was set in 1942 when 9.4 centimeters of snow fell. That's, uh, that's quite the difference in, uh, in the record setting there. Uh, one thing we've got to keep in mind is, uh, yeah, snow is coming. Absolutely. Like I have to admit, like, uh, you know, I've been to Calgary quite a few times, I actually lived there for a couple of years myself. And normally it's a pretty brown, dry place to see that much snow come down in a day. It's actually a fairly impressive uh, amount for sure. And, you know, most people in that area aren't used to having that, that uh, need for a snow gear and everything else. So I think uh, having the heat of the warning, having a pair of boots and or even a blanket in the car probably would help quite a bit if you do get stuck. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, 13.2 centimeters all in uh, in one go. You're definitely breaking the uh, the shovel out or you're breaking out the snowblower and, and all the gear, which uh, brings up a good uh, good reminder for everybody that uh, it's a good time to start swapping out your uh, your go bags or your your uh, preparedness bags there. If you if you got one that you carry with you, which you should in your vehicle, it's time to, to switch out the summer and in in spring gear and, and switch into some winter gear and get some boots in the car and Maybe a little shovel and, and some other gear so that you're uh, you're ready if you do end up getting stuck or you you get swamped with uh, 13.2 centimeters of snow uh, all of a sudden you're ready to go. For sure, it is the season, absolutely. And I mean, uh, like you said, just having anything from seasonally appropriate boots to uh, extra food or even a candle in the car. I mean, you can't go wrong with just a little bit of preparation in that aspect. So definitely a good article we covered off there. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And a, a candle for sure could be uh, worth its weight in gold if you're you're stuck in the middle of nowhere in a ditch and you. At least you got a candle to, to put some heat in the car and, and keep you keep you warm while you're waiting for some help to show up. For sure. Actually, I've got an interesting article as well. The uh, California wildfires. I know it's been a little bit of time since we had our last podcast out, but I thought I'd include this because it was a pretty major event, especially in the media anyways. Um, I just flying for work, I actually had to uh, pass right over Malibu as we uh, went into L.A. today. And... Uh, 
I got a good chance to take a look out the window there. And, you know, while it was night outside, I didn't see a whole lot. But uh, what did impress me was like the lack of smoke afterwards, but lots of emergency services sitting out there. And, you know, you can see just by watching the news how a lot of people didn't have, um, I guess, the immediate, how would you call it? Uh, I'm never coming home bag or an inch bag, bug out bag, whatever you want to call it. I think the need for one of those becomes pretty crystal clear, clear at this point because, I mean, a lot of these people had maybe 15 minutes notice to go. And, you know, the amount of stuff that was left behind, whether it be a, a celebrity or not, I think it's pretty devastating to see um, uh, everything go up in smoke with no, with no warning whatsoever. Oh, absolutely. And having that bag ready to go, at least you've got the basics. You don't have to stand around and go, okay, what do I have to gather? What do I have to pack? What do I need? It's already in the bag. It's ready to go. It's either already in your car or it's by the door. It's somewhere handy where you can just grab it and you don't have to spend that 15, 20 minutes thinking, what do I need? And packing it in a big bad rush, ready to go, grab it out and hit the, hit the road and you've got everything you need. For sure. And I mean, I also noticed that I, uh, for work, I was also in San Francisco that same week. It was an interesting West Coast trip. And uh, so I was in San Francisco and there was another fire that wasn't even mentioned in the media per se, because I guess a lot of famous people's houses weren't going up at the same time. But uh <laughs> The interesting thing was the the I guess the visibility for the smoke was down to about half a mile, and you know people were walking around in masks. It was very very post apocalyptic looking. It was very neat in the fact that uh, it, it certainly gets bad enough to even affect people's breathing, which again you know a lot of people people don't have anything prepared, so they had those um, I don't even know what you call them. You know those dust masks that people use for drywall work that aren't even like N95s. I oh yeah, the ones that are below even N95. Yeah, I can grab them at like the dollar store or something. Yeah, and so these people were walking around with those, and that's all they had with them, and so they basically they. They're not really doing anything for themselves, but I guess it's it's a feel good measure. But I mean, that's yeah, psychological a, help. Yeah, it's a minimum level of preparedness you, you got to witness there. In that case, I mean, it's a it's a very interesting uh, perspective for sure. Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's something you I guess you wouldn't really think of right off the bat. But having a, a good mask or something in case you're in in a, a situation like that where you got to go through some, through some heavy smoke, at least an N95 would be something good to have in your your setup so you've got it. Yeah, for sure. So other than that, the only thing I also wanted to cover off actually was um, I was actually uh, on a trip for work as well in Halifax, and the uh, the power was out when I woke up, which was interesting. And the first thing I did was uh, text my wife to make sure it wasn't a widespread power outage, of course, being yep. as paranoid as I get. And <laughs> then uh, I, interesting, my coworker there, I had to I mentioned to him, I said like, listen, the the water levels, the water pressure is starting to drop off as we uh, as we were sitting here, and I'm I'm at a higher floor than you. Maybe you should fill up your tub and your glass. Uh, glassfuls of water and everything else he couldn't figure out why i asked him to do that and uh but later on of course he when he couldn't figure out how to brush his teeth or, or get himself ready to go back to uh, the meeting it was uh it's kind of funny to, to witness his, his lack of preparedness just for a simple thing like water oh geez you think even if you're getting a warning from a co-worker and suggesting you know maybe fill a few things up you might just do it but uh you know you can you can lead a horse to water right that's right. No, no food, nothing, which was very interesting to watch. Um, oh, wow. No, no, no snacks in his bag or anything. So um, oh, that's about it, I guess, for news. There wasn't really a whole lot of big news other than just, uh, I guess, media frenzy over the uh, the Malibu thing. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah I, I wasn't coming across too much uh, news stuff either since our last podcast. There's nothing that, uh, that pertains to, to our podcast. But sure. uh, we'll get into uh, the topic of uh, this, podcast, this podcast then, if I could talk. Uh, being uh, post deer hunting, so with the opportunity to get out here in Ontario, the the second week in November, we were out uh, for the first little while. That uh, you know we got unpacked, we got settled, and we figured uh, day one, let's go out. We'll see what we can get. So we had a setup of uh, three guys all spread out along uh, a certain area where we figured the deer works. We've been uh, we had some trail cams up, so we kind of saw how they were working out and where they were going. So we had a bunch of guys set up. I was down at the very bottom end of where our guys were set. 
We had a couple of guys come up over a hill and they were just walking along, trying to scare the deer up and get them moving. Uh, all of us were, were outfitted with uh, radios as we usually are. So we're able to communicate as we talked about in the last podcast. So we're walking along and, uh, all the guys are walking along and they, uh, they end up actually scaring up a deer. Uh, unfortunately our, our communication broke down a little bit at this point and, uh, we hadn't really agreed on how we were going to indicate to each other that a deer was coming or that something was coming your way. You had to kind of pay attention for. So uh, I heard one of the guys in the radio just say, it's coming your way. Then it had been 15, 20 minutes. And it's about the time that our guys were walking through the bush trying to scare up deer should have been in our area. So I thought that the one guy talking was saying, okay, you know, it's you know, the guys that are walking through the bush are coming your way. So just heads up. I'm like, okay, he's coming my way. It's, that's fine. So I'm still standing around looking. Next thing I hear the, the guy that's a little bit closer to me saying, it's coming your way. Well, what's he talking about now before I even had a chance to, to even register the fact that it coming my way as a deer here comes a deer blasting right past me he kind of he, he sees me and he uh he stops real quick and looks at me uh, the only problem is i i could have pulled the trigger but if i pulled the trigger i was shooting right towards one of the guys that was up uh the top of the hill at one of the points so i didn't exactly want to pull the trigger there at a you know it's it may go towards one of the guys i'm hunting with and that's not a good day for anybody so here I am standing there looking at this deer. The deer's looking at me, and he's trying to figure out what I'm going to do, and I'm trying to figure out what he's going to do. And then he finally decides to take off running, and at that point it was too late. I couldn't get a shot off. I, I got in a little bit of a foot pursuit with him. Um, I wasn't winning. <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> so uh, is what it is. Uh, I ran after him for a little bit, but he was long gone, and uh, that was the last time that we saw a deer for the entire week that I was out. It is what it is. We still had fun. Uh, we tracked a lot of them around. There's lots of signs of them being there. They were just not there when we were there, which is unfortunate. Uh, I left Thursday morning, but then uh, a couple of the guys stuck around. And come uh, come Saturday morning, they actually, uh, as they were packing up the camp, getting ready to leave, they were calling it uh, calling it quits for the season. The, the, uh, the time for uh, rifle hunting was over, and uh, it was over on the Sunday morning, so it was time to just head home on the Saturday, and they... Uh, they're packing up, and was one of the guys is actually getting ready to pack his rifle up. He looks out the window of the cabin, and what's standing at the top of the hill? A deer. So he was able to uh, to get out and uh, not spook him, and uh, was able to actually get a shot off and, and successfully harvest a deer. So at least we're all going to get some pepperettes, and uh, we've got a funny story to tell as well from the first day there. The deer blasting past all of us. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, you did the uh, the right thing and make with the uh, holding off on the shot. I mean, there's no there's no deer worth uh, endangering uh, somebody else on a hunting trip for sure. So, oh, exactly. Yeah. We did. Speaking of which, we did get called out a little bit on that another podcast, didn't we? Oh yes, we did. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, we'll address that one. Uh, a podcast that has similar initials to ours. I guess the way we explained things in the last podcast, uh, we do actually carry all of our gear on us. Um, the the bigger gear for the the bigger trauma, we would not be carrying around with a lot of stuff to carry but as far as having uh, tourniquets and, uh, and and bandages and gauze and all that kind of stuff we all do carry out that in our, our little uh, ifax uh, we're not leaving the tourniquets and all of that sitting on the atvs or in the vehicles because uh, we are we are well aware that uh, leaving those sitting in a vehicle is of absolutely no use to you when you're sitting in the bush so those are definitely on us and uh, just to, just to clarify that point that uh, yeah no we're not leaving them sitting in vehicles uh, we we're well aware they got to be on the person because uh, you don't have much time to, to bleed out, right? 
Well, and I actually uh, have to admit that I did not carry my tourniquet with me, so I uh, I had everything else with me, but and I uh, I actually borrowed the one that I have from the house and the, for the truck. So I ended up having to order a second one from the same company. So I uh, I, I ate my crow. I I called. I told him he was right, and I ended up ordering <laughs> some more stuff from his from his company. So yeah, fair enough. So. <laughs> So no, I'll definitely be carrying one. Uh, I'll definitely be carrying one on my person now for sure as well because he had a, a very solid point. So uh, oh yeah, you know. solid point for sure. And we, we appreciate him calling us out. Is uh, you know it's it's good information to know if uh, if we were leaving them in the in the vehicles and not carrying them on our person. Well, yeah, there's not much help. So there you go. So as far as my adventures though, I uh, I got uh, skunked. Pretty much, uh, well, not quite as you guys had more success than I did, even. But I, uh, I, I think I might have jinxed myself by talking about how uh, flush with deer this island was with you on the previous podcast, and so of yeah. course I uh, was get, getting all excited about it. I wasn't going to make any comments about you mentioning that, <laughs> so, but since you bring it up, <laughs> it's a karmic thing for sure, absolutely. And so I, um, uh, it turns out I was not very alone on that island as well. Uh, you know, uh, as much as I expected to be, I guess everybody else was on the uh, idea of dozies as well. So. I uh, was all excited. I actually went as far as texting you there with a picture because I said it two does right off as I drove off the ferry. I got about 15 feet and saw two deers. I was like, great start. And I, yeah, uh, I, uh, I showed that picture to the guys. I said, we cannot let him win. Yeah. We're seeing them. So we need to get something. <laughs> and of course, then Bambi runs right by me on day one. But hey. I had a similar experience because my partner was a little bit behind me. He ran into some logistical issues uh, himself, so he was uh, probably about, I guess, so four or five hours behind me. Anyway, so I, uh, as I drove off, I saw one doe basically in fast flight from other hunters, obviously, jump right over the hood of my truck. So I, you know, put her in park just before I got to the campsite and uh, went after it into the bush. And sure enough, couldn't see it so much as a as a face looking back at me or anything else. There's no no sign, no no white indication where it's going, and the bush was so thick. Pretty much lost it right away, which is too bad. Um, but that's the last one I saw. So once oh. I once I parked the truck in the campground that we had set up, uh, agreed to meet at, I'd set up a, a basic uh, setup for the camp and made sure I had a patch reserved for his uh, camper van. And then uh, that was it. I went uh, bombing around through a couple trails that we had scouted out the previous year, and there's actually one trail I really like that kind of. It goes along a ridge between two solid uh, logging roads that aren't very busy and everything else. So I had plenty of vision, and I was relatively sparse bush. And I thought I'd be able to like at least check some areas out. Didn't even see so much as a grouse, a songbird, or anything else. It's like the whole island was deathly silent. I, I haven't actually heard an island that quiet in quite a while, except for the occasional gunshot, of course, which there was no shortage of <laughs> on the far end of the island. Oh, really? And, oh, it was it was crazy. So it got so busy actually during the the early morning, late late evening hunt that. Um, Every open spot, logging road, whatever, you actually had to coordinate with other hunters because there's always a set of headlights in sight or a, another rifle going off like a mile away or whatever. And there was it was pandemonium, for lack of a better term. We went down to the extreme south end of the island, which, uh, again, normally is completely abandoned. And it was uh, turned into like a campsite for a bunch of Vancouver people that had driven up by boat and uh, parked there. And oh. so uh, of about the 200 hunters I saw on a 20-mile uh, long island, I uh, I saw a grand total of two deers hanging over the course of the hunting trip, and uh, they, they'd been there since day one. So, Oh, geez. We know what the problem is. You uh, you mentioned kind of the rough area where you're heading on the podcast, and I'm sure they're all listeners, and they decided <laughs> to come out as well. 
Yeah, I could only hope that our uh, membership or subscription rate goes up that fast. But uh, <laughs> it was very interesting because I did actually talk to one guy on the ferry ride over uh, to the island, and I ended up getting uh, chat with him, and we ended up coordinating. He showed me a couple of good apps that were good for um, hunting, like the iHunter app, which I'd never heard of. I'm not exactly the most technologically literate guy out there. So I yeah. downloaded the iHunter app uh, and got the uh, the you know region-appropriate uh, satellite maps for it. That was extremely helpful for a lot of the scouting and stuff. Oh, that would be helpful. Yeah, so it shows like a like a satellite map of a specific area that you you pick out. Yeah, actually, the iHunter app it'll show uh, satellite maps that are like updated quite recently, and then they um, they also show you what WMU or wild the wildlife management unit you're in, and it also shows what's open season, what's legal. It shows you sunrise sunrise and sunset tables. It gives you GPS tracking, like right down to the dot along where you are. Um, it's actually extremely helpful, and. Um, yeah, I was actually pretty impressed with it. So anyways, of course, I ended up running into him a few times. And so we kind of laid out uh, areas back and forth uh, as to where we'd be going first thing in the morning to not disturb each other. And that that helped a little bit, but still no luck. Oh, hey, at least uh, at least you got out and you're able to, to spend some time out in the forest and, uh, and play around with that new app. That's good, too. Yeah. I guess my my hunting partner was at least kind enough to bring along a rod and a reel. So the lake that we were camping at, he managed to lend himself about a what a five inch rainbow trout or something so didn't get completely skunked i guess we got at least one t- token fish so we just threw back <laughs> that, was, oh. <laughs> that was it so that was our entire catch for the weekend so oh hey at least it's something right and uh we'll oh, yeah. try again next year for sure and we had actually planned on staying an extra couple of days but uh, it was busy enough during the weekdays and as you could see as the weekend rush was starting to arrive on friday and it was just getting busier and busier before uh, the evening hunt. I was like, you know what, let's just call it. So we caught the last ferry off the island and uh, headed back about 36 hours early. And that was that. I had to get back to work anyway. So that was that was the end of that. So. That was that. Well, now we found uh, when we were out the, the last couple of years we've gone, it was been, it's been pretty warm. And then this year, all of a sudden, some of the nights we were out, it was uh, we were registering about minus 18. So it was getting a little chilly. So one thing that we, uh, we picked up on real quick there is we got to be prepared for for either the cold weather or the the warmer stuff, we weren't quite sure what we we're going to get into this year. So it was uh, a little bit different that way as far as getting out hunting. Was the battling the cold weather was uh, a little bit different because last year we were walking around in, in t-shirts basically. <laughs> well, for sure, under the uh, category of takeaways, I guess we could talk about a little bit about that as well. Because I mean, yeah, it wasn't as cold as as that where we were, but it was uh, you know it was plus one or plus two at night, uh, even when we got down to the minus one or minus two. But it was just a heavy, thick, wet fog all the time. Oh. So. It's basically like going swimming in a uh, in that kind of temperature, and it's just it's, it just soaks the gear down right away. So I guess you know number one takeaway, no matter where you are when you're hunting, is the uh, I guess there's no such thing as overdressing for the weather. Fair <laughs> and, enough. Uh, yeah. Most of the guys that I ran to it, they really they had proper gear, they were functioning well, and everything else. And you know I can't say enough about layering, depending on the changing conditions during the day, because we had everything from sunny and and relatively warm right down to frigid and uh, and foggy, like I said, almost like a a slow moving rain, oh. and. Um, yeah, no, it's it's very interesting. So it's certainly uh, can't overdress enough. That's for sure. Yeah, it's uh, a little bit of different weather than what we were dealing with for sure. We, uh, like I said, we were dealing with the the minus eighteen stuff, and when we showed up actually the first day, it wasn't too bad snow wise. But then all of a sudden, the the snow just started overnight. We got a huge dumping, which was great for tracking. But uh, <laughs> if we didn't have the right gear, then uh, it'd be pretty cold. But oh, the guys came with uh, winter boots and and jackets and all that kind of stuff, so we were we were good. But some of the guys that, uh, that were coming in and out, because some guys will pop in and out as they as the week goes by, and some of us stay the whole week. Uh, some of the guys coming in and out were kind of shocked by the amount of snow that had fallen and and weren't exactly ready to be trudging through the bush for it. But it is what yeah. it is. 
it's funny how it can change so much depending on where you're hunting too because for us i mean we don't have the ability to track via the snow and interestingly enough if the deer sign is older than more more old, uh, sorry older than a couple uh, days it's like the rain's washed it away so i mean if you see sign generally it's fairly fresh <laughs> so yeah. uh but uh, it can certainly change the way you try and track down deer for sure and you know for us it was uh i guess the scent gets it gets masked by the rain as, as well so that, uh, oh yeah, yeah that can be a good or a bad thing to do. yeah uh, that's with the snow it was great because you could uh, you could definitely tell if it was fresh tracks or not because it would be there'd be no snow in the track and then uh if you came back later on and it was an older track there'd be some snowfall in the in the tracks you could tell it was one you'd seen before it was a little bit older so we had some times where we'd be walking around looking for them we didn't see anything we come back up towards the camp and then you'd see two or three tracks going right past where we were before so they knew we were there they're just playing games with us and they're following behind us or moving around us and walking circles so they're always there it was just a matter of seeing them yeah for sure um the other thing i was going to mention too with the uh, the takeaways aspect is you know we do have during the good times, I guess we do have the tech for now, so we might as well use it. And like, I can't say enough about that iHunter app, but also an interesting one that uh, I've been using for years uh, for various purposes is the uh, Maps.me app application, and it's uh, it's a free app. And it's uh, offline GPS, so it works where there's no cell coverage, which is kind of key. And well, uh, yeah, yeah, and it actually uh, has downloadable maps depending on the area you're in, and then you uh, download the maps ahead of time. They do update as well once in a while. And it's uh, hyper accurate. It includes a lot of walking trails that are nor- not normally marked on a obviously on a car map or anything else, as well as uh, everything from uh, private property, uh, trails, provincial parks, uh, even buildings that you wouldn't expect to be there. There are are noted on the map. And it's actually extremely uh, handy little app for sure. Oh yeah, that'd be neat. Yeah, like like you said, we may have to take advantage of it now. You might not necessarily have it in a you know a shit hit the fan type of situation, but. Um... You know, if we've got it right now and we're not in that kind of situation, then why not use it to your advantage? Absolutely. And they, uh, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, te- the one thing that we were talking about back and forth when I was talking with my hunting partner is, you know, testing your gear is key for sure. Like we had uh, run into some people at the local gravel pit, you know, that hadn't even sent in the rifles prior to going. And, uh, you know, how can you how can you do that and not, not do that before you go hunting? But, you know, it life gets in the way sometimes right what can you do so yeah you gotta know where that round's gonna go though (laughs) yeah absolutely and then so uh of course uh that that scares away the deer in a five mile radius when you start sighting in the rifle and the uh yeah the other thing too is you know testing your gear absolutely no matter what you bring whether it be uh clothing rifles scopes everything else testing it ahead of time is key because you never know what's going to work well and what's not going to work well for sure Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if you you test things, you know how it works. It it may not necessarily work exactly how you think it's going to work in the, in the real world or in the, when you're absolutely like you're right there and you're, you're using it for, for harvesting a deer or something, but at least you've used it before and you know how it's going to potentially operate and you, you, you've got a baseline of how they, how to use it. It's nothing worse than being in the situation, trying to figure out how to use your piece of kit. Well, the situation's happened right in front of you. Yeah, for sure. And I noticed that, uh, you know, I guess as I was watching all these hunters, you know, floating around this tiny little island, you know, even in good times, you have to admit that, uh, you know, the people versus animal population is, is not good. I mean, there's a lot of hunting pressure no matter where you go, it seems nowadays, unless you're in the extreme north. And so uh, if you can imagine if it's this bad now, you can imagine when food is tight. I mean, I would say uh, people are going to be even more uh, aggressive when they're hunting uh, if there's a food shortage of any sort. Oh, absolutely. Like I said in the last episode, like, yeah, we're out, we're, we're looking for deer, but if we don't get something, we can we can go down the road to the burger shack or something and, and still get a meal. It's not like we're we're absolutely 100% relying on this uh, at this point in time. But yeah, if you're you're in a situation where the the burger shack's not there anymore, the grocery stores are empty, and and you're actually putting food on the table that 
um, that you're going to be relying on, you have no other source. Well, everybody else is relying on that source as well. And it's uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot more. Uh, it's the best way of putting it competitive, I guess, and a little bit more. Uh, more people are going to be pushing the to get the deer versus uh, right now. If you're out and about, there's there's real no pressure, right? Well, yeah, because they're absolutely they're they're sustainably managed right now. We'd like to think, anyways, that the government was doing their job properly. I mean, so there there is a replenishment factor in there that you know ensures that we have a continued source of of deer for hunting yearly. And so, if the you know food supply does get tight for any reason, you know people are going to resort to you know highly illegal stuff like jack lighting or whatever have you to to get yep. the deer, uh, I guess, more aggressively, which would work in the short term, of course. But then long term, of course, that's going to deplete the populations even faster, and you know, you'll see a collapse of any local population. And which would lead to just a, a faster collapse of the the sustainable food supply. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, that's uh, certainly gonna. It would certainly make things more difficult. Yeah, for sure. The other thing I noticed too is that you know, maybe I'm just getting old too, but uh, we made sure we were you know, kept our response time fast and you know, sighting ability uh, up to snuff by making sure we had a afternoon nap in between the the uh, peak hunting times because you know, as you get towards dusk, you're getting hungry. You don't want to like. You know, you start to slow down a little bit, but having a little afternoon nap uh, certainly made sure that you're going past dark and everything else and past dinner time was no big deal. It's just just carry on. So, I mean, I think uh, rather than boozing it up the night before and everything else, making sure you get a full night's sleep is definitely key as well. Oh, absolutely. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with an afternoon nap. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's an integral part of hunting. It's required. Yeah, well, as is the occasional bevy after after a successful hunt, or even in the late evening as well. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I have to admit, some I have some of my own failings I want to talk about as well. Um, sure. You know, I, I I end up using my rifle scope more than anything else, just to you know to glass and scope out some areas. And honestly, um, because you don't know what's over there, whether it be another person or whatever have you, I thought maybe bringing a set of binoculars would have been much better. But I don't have really a quality set, so that's obviously on the to get list for sure. And that's then, a good thing yeah, to have. You know, it's always the argument of, well, you know, do you want to pack it around all the time because, you know, pounds equals pain. And uh, But the utility of something like binoculars can't be, I guess, understated for sure, rather than just using a rifle to uh, scope the far end of the bush or whatever. Yeah, fair enough. And the other thing I was going to say is uh, we, just, we had some logistical issues as well. My partner in crime there, we um, he showed up uh, a little bit later on on the first day so we didn't really get going until the second day and we had this feeling of pressure to make sure we get going and I, I forgot to brief him on the use of the walkie-talkies as well so we ended up not even using them uh, which uh. along so just like you mentioned before you know not so much even using them alone uh, using them properly it uh, runs it becomes a safety as well as an efficiency issue as well because I mean like you said you didn't know if it was people or deer coming towards you and I didn't know um, how close I was to the end of the, the run where I was pushing the bush or as you call dogging yep. uh, so it, you know it the use of walkie-talkies when you when you have them available or when when they're actually usable, it's it certainly can't be uh, stated that it's pretty important to do. Well, absolutely, yeah, that'd be our, our number one failing for sure for this uh, this trip was just not establishing some form of communication where everybody understood if I say this, it means this. So we definitely had that chat afterwards, but uh, it would have been nice to have had it uh, prior to going out because had we have had a, a keyword or some kind of a, an indicator that this means there's a deer coming. Or had some clearer communication, then uh, all of us would have known that uh, it wasn't people coming; it was actually a deer coming, and then we would have been uh, maybe successful, maybe not, but at least we uh, we would have known that it was a deer coming. Well, but, you might as uh, well stack you know, the odds. Yeah, sorry, you might as well stack the odds in your favor as best as you can, right? So, well, exactly, right? We learn from it, carry on, and uh, next year we'll have a keyword for deer. Maybe we'll use the word deer, and. Uh, <laughs> 
Just don't confuse it with a safe word, whatever. No, it's L-O-A. It's, uh, that's a different thing altogether. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is I guess one of the last points I had was physical fitness. I mean, uh, I've been making a concerted effort to uh, bring along weight of any sort along on my daily walks with the dogs. And so um, after doing like basically a solid year of daily hikes, at least 5K, if not more, every year, you know, doing what I did the year before with some difficulty became a, a no problem whatsoever this year. It was actually a, a noticeable improvement. So as part of a, a preparedness thing that anybody can do, physical fitness is, is so key. And, oh, absolutely uh, it is. Especially those that like to LARP about uh, bugging out at any given time. I mean, you want to make sure that you have the ability to do a, a longer hike than you would normally do, for sure. Oh, absolutely. I noticed uh, this year, even just trudging through the bush, it was... Uh weighing on me here and there so i got to get the the physical fitness level back up for sure it's uh it's been falling by the wayside the last couple of months but uh no excuses just got to get back into it and you're 100 percent right the physical fitness thing definitely needs to needs to be in the forefront of your thoughts because uh if you can't get yourself places then you're not getting out of where you are and if you're not getting out of where you are if you if you have to then you're stuck there yeah, for sure. And um, I guess one one note section of the podcast here we did kind of skip over is, I guess how we've prepped this week. So uh, did you want to stop with that? Start with that or? Yeah. So yeah, we definitely did hop over that. So I'm reading over the show notes here. So yeah, uh, preparing this week. So what I've done, I took my uh, my go bag, and uh, as I was mentioning in that news article there, I went over it and just made sure that I had all my stuff ready for the the winter gear. Uh, so I took some summer stuff out. Like I had some little water pouches and stuff that. I took out because uh, they're just going to freeze. Uh, I made sure that my, my battery pack is all charged up, ready to go. I've got one of those little booster packs. So if I do have to boost the car when I'm out, I've got a full pack ready to go. And I'll keep an eye on that. Uh, I figure every month I, I pull it in and I, I plug it in just to make sure it's got a, a top-off charge on it. Uh, made sure I got the boots in the in the car there. And made sure I got a good pair of uh, ski pants and an extra jacket, uh, a winter hat and a pair of gloves. And, uh, and, of course, a little snow shovel in case I do end up getting stuck. And, um, yeah, so now my, my bag's all good to go for the winter. And then uh, once the winter's gone and we get back in the spring, I'll swap back into some spring kit. But uh, that was kind of how I got prepared uh, this week. Well, even maintenance is still preparedness. I mean, if you're just maintaining what you have, that's important too. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so for myself, I mean, I just, uh, after I unpacked from the hunting trip, all I had an extra day to t- tinker on the uh, the acreage here. I uh, still unpacked the, the hunting supplies, put them back neatly for once instead of just throwing them back in the storage uh, closet <laughs> and i ended up topping off my feeders waterers uh, bought some feed to keep the stockpile up because as you know it's it's pretty easy to let the stockpiles dwindle on a lot of stuff so the animal feed was uh, definitely made sure we kept that topped up then i had to head off for work and unfortunately i was at work for about three weeks straight as i understand you were as well oh i was yeah <laughs> then the, but i took advantage of that time while i was on layovers i uh and uh stopped over to various towns i was uh ordered some online uh goods such as uh, I found some used night vision on Canadian gun nuts which was interesting and oh, very I, nice. I, haven't, I haven't quite tried that out yet but I, I started at the bottom end to just like kind of a digital gen 1 which is uh, for lack of a better term an infrared camera but uh, I want to see how that works just to, to scope out some uh, wildlife at night here around the acreage and just to see how that works and then um, the Black Friday sales of course the, there's always stuff to scope out on those ones and uh, I managed to pick up some various goods at up to 50% off which was good and the nice thing about online sales I guess versus the uh, the running of the sheep at some of these stores is you don't have to sit there and fight somebody for the last uh, tickle me Elmo or whatever you might be shopping for <laughs> so uh, I remember those days yeah <laughs> yeah I would like to think that I'm not shopping for those but anyway um, yeah so no it worked out really well I, I picked up some really smoking deals of stuff that I really needed so it worked, it worked out well 
And the uh, the whole crowds thing there in Black Friday just brings back the the whole idea too. If people are willing to fight over that tickle me Elmo or whatever gadget it is that's on sale for Black Black Friday, imagine what they'll be like if there's no food uh, at the grocery store, right, or very little left on the shelves. Yeah, the last bag of rice I think would be a good cage match for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> so with the uh, the Black Friday sales as well. Um... Not only did I pick up some stuff I really needed as well, but I uh, managed to sell some stuff off for guys that were interested in Black Friday uh, deals. So I managed to cut a few deals of stuff, just extra stuff I want to get rid of as well. That uh, that always works out well. Oh, yeah. You, you sell some stuff, you can buy some new gear. Yeah, for sure. So other than that, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, all we wanted to cover this week. And uh, do you have anything Perfect. else you want to cover? No, that was uh, was pretty much it. My uh, Myself, much like you, I've been all over the map the last couple of weeks and... Uh, work has been keeping me busy so that uh, I had a little bit of downtime and I, I redid the bag there to make sure I was good for the winter and that's uh, that's basically been it so been all over the place and it's kind of the reason why there hasn't been a, a podcast in the last couple of weeks because we've both been uh, out and about running all over the place and other than that I think uh, just the uh, I guess the podcast challenge we need to talk about yeah I think we'll get into that so the uh, the LA fires uh, inspired us for this one I was going to say, so rather than doing some uh, online shopping like I did and uh, just <laughs> just uh, buying stuff to pimp out your SHTF rifle, I suppose a better use of your time and more realistic use of your time beforehand would be uh, making copies of critical documents such as uh, your passports, marriage and birth certificates, bank accounts, titles to your properties, serial numbers of valuable items, whatever they may be, and uh, just even take pictures around the house for insurance purposes of stuff you would want to replace in case of a major fire. Yeah, it can't, uh, can't hurt to have all that stuff documented and then you've got it. Um, you can easily get a jump drive, a USB thumbstick, you know, around 64 gigs is the, the standard size right now. Uh, you can grab a couple of them at uh, various stores and, uh, you know, keep copies in one, maybe one in your go bag, one in a fire safe at the house. That way you've got it on hand. If you need it, you can throw uh, some other things on there as well. Uh, whatever you think you might need, uh, if you have to leave your, your primary place of residence, um, then you've got it with you. Um, you'd obviously need some way to read that as well. So a small laptop computer or something to bring with you would be obviously handy. But uh, yeah, having all that in a, in a safe spot stored on, uh, on a little thumb drive can't, uh, can't hurt. No, for sure. And uh, I guess your official challenge is to make a uh, I'm never coming home thumb drive or an inch thumb drive, as I've called. Uh, good to use in a hotel business center, even if you don't have a laptop with you. So if you um, if you just have the jump drive and nothing else, you can certainly use a, a Staples, a business center, a friend's laptop, anything that has, a I guess, a public use computer. You could certainly print off any copies of whatever you might have had on there. I mean, they're ludicrously light. I mean, there may be an ounce or two tops, and, and it preserves your wealth in a, in a form – I guess for insurance purposes and the fact that it validates any claim you may have on it and uh, also it speeds things up. Insurance claim, uh, claims are notoriously slow in, in, in speed and you know, they like to prevent themselves from having to pay you out for any reason whatsoever. So I think having these sort of pictures or copies of uh, documents for sure would, would help your claim. Oh, absolutely. And even having serial numbers recorded of uh, major major items like televisions or, or anything like that in your house certainly does help out for for that and just for your own inventory as well. You, you'll go through, you'll start inventorying things at your house and realize that you've got a lot of things that you didn't necessarily know you had or you, you might even go through your list and go, oh, I thought I had this and I don't. So it uh, can't hurt to do a quick home inventory. And you, you know what you've got and then put everything on the USB stick and then uh, I like that whole, uh, that inch, uh, I'm never coming home. That's, uh, that's a good way to put it. So you've got that USB stick and you've got everything recorded and it's with you and it's nice and light and very easy, to, very portable, very easy to bring with you. 
Well, because it's not, you know, I'm never coming home might very well just be because of a house fire. It doesn't have to be because of the zombie apocalypse or anything else. I mean, so mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a multi-purpose uh, item that, you know, doesn't, it's not going to cost you a whole lot. And it's just certainly a, a, a basic, uh, you know, everyday use kind of preparedness item. Yeah, not a bad idea at all and, and very easy to make multiple copies of and have them uh, spread out at various points. So in case there is a fire at your house and you lose that one USB stick, well, maybe you keep one in your, your go bag and your go bags with you wherever you are. And uh, hopefully you're not in the house at the same time that the, the fire is there. If you are, you get out with your go bag and you've got that stick with you still. So it's uh, it's a great idea, something to, to have with you at all, at all times. Well, if anybody can think of anything else we should add to it uh, as far as proof of ownership or maps or owner's manuals or whatever have you, let us know. We might have uh, might not have thought of it ourselves. And my only other thought on that, uh, the computer geek in me is going to come out here. Make sure you encrypt that uh, USB stick because it's got some pretty personal information on it. If you're starting to get into you know birth certificates and passports and stuff, throw some encryption on there. That way, if, uh, if, it, if it's lost... Somebody else is going to pick it up and start stealing your identity. So a little bit of encryption goes a long way. It'll stop people from from gaining access to it. That's the one thing I'd uh, I'd throw in there for sure. Well, and if you're going to put a password on it, don't use one, two, three, four, five, please. No, yes, that's not a good <laughs> password at all. And and password is not a good password to use either. <laughs> or so password should... one, two, three, four, five. No. <laughs> Did we actually get any uh, feedback this this week, Eric? Yeah. So we got uh, we got an email from Dean. And uh, he runs the Canadian Preppers Network. So if, uh, if anybody hasn't seen that yet, uh, Google it up. Uh, it's a good blog that, with lots of great information on it. Uh, he also runs the International Prepper Network forums. So if you haven't been there, check that out as well. It's a nice uh, web forum with lots of information, lots of people that are willing to, to answer some questions for you and lots of good, uh, good reads as well. It'll, uh, it'll easily kill a, a good couple of nights of just sitting around reading all the vast amounts of information that's in there. But uh, he's just sent in a quick, uh, a quick email uh, just saying that, um, you know, he's glad to, to see someone take up the challenge of publishing a Canadian preparedness podcast. Uh, trust me when I say I know how much effort and uh, preparation goes into this. Uh, I love how the show is evolving, and uh, he's offered to to help out uh, if he can. So we might have him on a uh, a show in the future. We'll see uh, see if he's willing to come on and chat. And uh, there's actually a project uh, that we were working on together, myself and him, uh, with uh, with Ham Radio and trying to make some communications. So uh, I won't uh, I won't spoil it, but we might uh, get into that in a future episode. Well, interesting enough, he also put out himself about uh, 50 episodes of his own uh, podcast as well. Unfortunately, he stopped about three or four years ago, but that's what kind of got me onto the uh, the idea to to continue with this with you as well, because I thought it was just it was a great thing he was doing with Canadian content for sure. Well, that's great. Yeah, I had heard after I started this uh, this podcast up that he had started something in the past. I hadn't heard it before, but uh, it was neat to hear that he had uh, he had started something prior. So. Hopefully we can get him on as a guest and we can uh, talk about the project that, uh, that we had started there with the radios and, and trying to make communication happen between the two of us. Excellent. So any uh, iTunes reviews at all? So I checked iTunes out. Uh, there's been no new iTunes uh, reviews since our last episode with uh, just the one review on there. So if, uh, if anybody is interested in leaving us a, a review and some feedback, it would uh, be greatly appreciated. It does help get the show pushed out there a little bit further on iTunes. And, uh, of course, more reviews means more people read the reviews. And if they're positive reviews, which we hope they would be, uh, that means that more people will start listening, which uh, which helps us out. So if you if you got a few seconds and you, you don't mind heading over to iTunes and just dropping in a quick review and uh, letting us know what you like, what you don't like, and uh, hopefully hitting five stars would be uh, would be appreciated. But whatever number of stars you, you feel is appropriate for a rating, uh, that would be great. 
Excellent. Uh, shout outs uh, for myself. I was just going to throw those out here if I could, if this is a good time. Yeah, sure. Um, I was going to use the, uh, based on the California wildfires there, I was going to do a little shout out to the actor James Woods. Um, he's actually a very interesting cat. He's been completely shunned by Hollywood because he's got a genius level IQ and leans towards the conservative aspect of things versus the liberal. So naturally, he doesn't get any more work anymore in, in California. But when the uh, California wildfires did hit, he stayed up for 36 hours straight. Uh, coordinating a fire response efforts from New York City, where he's currently living. So he actually used his million-plus Twitter followers to help pass messages, mass, uh, messages and reunite people separated from each other, um, whether it be just people lost, people not knowing where their, their spouse was or anything else. It was actually a pretty solid use of social media. Like, I'm not a huge fan of social media, but here's a, a great use demonstrating its potential utility in case of emergency, for sure. Oh, awesome. Uh, so... Uh, other than that, having a non-local communication relay was also a good thing because people were able to um, send messages via his Twitter account um, because the local landlines and cell lines were all overwhelmed and people were trying to phone and all they were getting is busy signals or you know no no lines available, no service, everything else. So that was a, just a, a solid effort on his part. Oh, great. And uh, the other one I was going to mention was actually a hunter I met on the ferry to the island I'd mentioned before. His name is Dana. Uh, I told him to listen to the show. He said he'd give it a try, so I thought I'd give him a little shout-out as well. And uh, he's a very solid guy, as most hunting folks always are. And we, um, you know, everything from agreeing on territory that we would cover with each other, sharing our settings or our lack thereof, and even offering <laughs> assistance to each other. And uh, it's kind of like having a short-term uh, mutual assistance group or a mag. So it was, it was a very nice, nice feeling when you first meet somebody, and before you know it, five minutes later, you've already started making plans, which is kind of neat. Oh, that's great. I've got uh, one quick shout out here, and that's to uh, Spotify. We are in episode five, so that means we can publish now to Spotify. So I uh, just figured I'd put the plug in there that uh, if you're listening on uh, your favorite uh, podcast application there and uh, one of your applications happens to be Spotify, we uh, will be published there as soon as I hit publish on episode five. So uh, keep an eye out. We're starting to spread. I guess this brings us to the end of the episode, Eric. Yeah, it does bring us to the end. So I'll bring uh, episode number five of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an official close here. Uh, Ian, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find the podcast online at iTunes and Podbean. And please help us out and take a few minutes to submit a review, like Eric said. You can also find us at prepperpodcast.ca. And how can people reach out to you specifically? Well, they can reach me at theislandretreat at gmail.com. Great. Uh, please uh, check out Rapid Survival, and uh, you can get me there on uh, live chat while buying some prepper gear. Uh, you can also email me at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Let us know uh, what you do like, what you don't like. Uh, any kind of feedback is welcome. Uh, we don't need just the uh, the nice, fuzzy, you know, we love everything emails. Let us know what you don't like as well. If you want to be on the show, you can uh, certainly come on and be a guest as soon as we get the Google Hangouts thing figured out. And uh, thanks for joining us and tune in for the next episode where we're going to be talking about uh, getting your family involved in preparedness, uh, how you can get uh, various family members, your wife, kids, husband, uh, what be it, and uh, get them involved. So until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning.